Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, some NFL stars we only associate with football and only football. But maybe, just maybe, they were pretty good at something else. You're Behind the Mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, here we go. Squeaky Chair is live and also have a hard copy. It's not the the paper as usual. (laughs) NFL historians, this show is not necessarily for you. And those who already know this stuff, well, whoop-de-freaking-do. I'm very impressed. But for those who don't, welcome in. This is for those who don't know as much. So we are here to enlighten. But please, I am not above reproach. I'm not above reproach being told something is not correct so please i'm always here to learn it's the behind the mic podcast i am your host michael neal jr this show is presented by belly up sports the belly up sports podcast network check us out on bellyupsports.com you can catch my show especially as well as others on spreaker apple podcast spotify google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, all of those great shows or well, places that you can find shows, those great podcast platforms. First of all, I have to start here. I've got the worst luck this year as far as football is concerned, especially in ESPN College Pick'em. Is anyone out there familiar with ESPN College Football Pick'em? College Pick'em. Basically, the game is this, okay? They give you 10 random games every week throughout the regular season. Then in the bowl season, they give you every last one of the bowls. But to keep it simple, ESPN College Pick'em gives you 10 games a week, and you get points based on the ones that you pick right. You have to pick who's going to win the game. It's that simple. And you have to line them up the way that you want as far as confidence. The team I'm most confident is going to win, and I'd like to have said (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) Thanks for that, that L on this weekend. Uh, but Alabama playing, I don't know, the Citadel. I'm going to put them at 10 because I'm guaranteed to win that game, all right? But then the game that's going to be pushed all the way down to one may be what happened this weekend. You have Penn State in Iowa, which I lost that game. And it was just – I just don't know what's going on with me. I mean, I've never finished outside of the top – three or at least the top five all of the years i've been doing this this is just not my year it really isn't <laughs> it is not my year look six weeks we've been doing this 60 games just bear with me for a second six weeks 60 games i've lost 27 of those games okay that i've picked only five of those have been straight up blowouts and that was within the first two weeks four of them i believe were in week yeah 
four of those five were between weeks one and two. Three of them, I think, was in week two. We have no idea, had no idea that UCLA was going to bounce LSU like that. Didn't know. It was the second week of the season. Well, out of those 27, I've lost 22 of those. They were all one-score games. Either a field goal was made at the end or a touchdown was scored at the end. It's always something. Every week, if we reverse this, then I'm probably where I'm supposed to be at the top. Yes, I say I'm, that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm not saying I'm always right at all, but it's just it's very disappointing. Very disappointing season, and I'm shouting out my boy Curb Code. I see you there towards the top. All right, so uh, right now, Stat Boys is in 12th place in the group SEC domination. Again, you know, what, this past week, was it uh, Texas? They lost to OU. You saw how that went down. BYU, I picked them to beat Boise State. BYU was missing their starting quarterback. Not saying that I didn't think that was going to matter, but I'm thinking the undefeated team playing at home would have beat the 2-3 and three Broncos. I'm just being honest. I don't know what happened Oregon State, Washington State. I just know that they barely lost the game. Thanks a lot, Oregon State. Penn State, Iowa, if you watched that game like I did, you know exactly what happened. As soon as the quarterback goes out hurt and I see him walking up the tunnel, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Of course, they promptly lost that game. LSU, Kentucky, look, I just, I didn't care. I said, I'm going to pick LSU, even though I'm sure Kentucky's going to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. Then there's the Arkansas Ole Miss game. Arkansas let me down. I mean, it was a great game. 52 to 51. I mean, what else can you ask for? Anyway, enough about that. Let's get to what everybody loves. <laughs> the rundown, week five of the NFL. And there were so many games over the football weekend, college included, that were one-score games. Game-winning touchdowns, game-winning field goals. We're going to start on Thursday night. The L.A. Rams got back on track in Seattle. But the Seahawks are going to see what life is like without Russell Wilson. They'll see what it's going to look like if this dude decides to leave one day. And if you don't see it, if you didn't see it, his middle finger on Wilson's throwing hand was twisted and dislocated. Nasty. So Geno Smith comes in trying to be uh, bring Seattle back. But, of course, he promptly at the end of the game throws a pick. Yes, he did look pretty decent. He looked like a different Geno Smith. He wasn't the Geno with the Jets or Geno with the Giants. He wasn't that guy. He actually looked pretty decent. Uh, but at the end, I don't know what happened. Did the receiver fall down? I can't even remember now. And he throws a pick. And he was going off on the sideline. Oh, well. Rams quarterback Matt Stafford, he managed a hand injury of his own. He's through, he still threw for 365 yards. Rams 26, Seahawks 17. London calling. First NFL game across the pond this year. New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons, both seeking their second win of the season. The Falcons got it. The Jets, they threatened to make a game out of it, being down by three. It was 20 to 17, but they couldn't hold Atlanta out of the end zone in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Atlanta rookie Kyle Pitts, he scores his first touchdown of the year, and I should have started him in fantasy. Yes, you will hear, hear me refer to my fantasy teams and I got a doozy for you at the end of this segment. Uh, he caught nine passes for 119 yards. Woo. Woo. Matt Ryan, 
He's now thrown eight touchdowns and zero interceptions in his last three games. Falcons 27, Jets 20. T and crumpets for everyone. Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers went fishing for Dolphins on Sunday and came away with a 45-17 win. Brady, another phenomenal day, throwing for 411 yards, five touchdowns. Antonio Brown, this dude is looking like when he did play for Pittsburgh. He's looking that good. Seven catches, a buck 24, and he scores twice. He became the fastest player, according to ESPN.com, in NFL history to catch 900 passes. And he also joined the likes of Jerry Rice, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, and Julio Jones, greats in their own rights, of course, as the only players in NFL history with 12,000 yards in fewer than 150 games. Phenomenal. As I said at the beginning, the weekend was filled with pain, but that's nothing compared to the Detroit Lions. I'm sensing kind of a theme here in the last couple of weeks. How many times can you lose a football game like that though? Minnesota Vikings kicker Greg Joseph kicked four field goals on the day, and the last one won the game. There were 37 seconds left to go in the game. The replacement for Dalvin Cook, Madison, he fumbles the football. The Lions get it back and they score and they convert a two-point conversion. Where's the justice? Where is the justice? And now you got Dan Campbell standing up there crying. Come on, man. I mean, congrats to the Vikings with that 19-17 victory. But somebody please make it stop. Feel for you Lions fans. I'm proud of Pittsburgh, though. They got it done on Sunday against the Broncos. It does help when you're at home. What was the difference? Pittsburgh ran the football. They had their first game with 147 rushing yards as a team. Najee Harris had 122 of them. Chase Claypool, a buck 30 and a touchdown through the air. And I believe Big Ben only turned it over once. Yeah, that's an improvement. Steelers 27, Broncos 19. But on another note, found out Juju Smith-Schuster, he's got a dislocated shoulder. He's going to be gone for four months minimum. Ouch. Ouch. Cue the double Spider-Man meme with them pointing at one another. Nobody, and I mean nobody, wanted to win that game Sunday in Cincinnati. I know they tried, but they really didn't want to. Didn't, didn't feel like it to me. Forget Aaron Rodgers, 344 yards passing. Forget 206 yards receiving from Devontae Adams. Forget Jamar Chase's 159 yards uh, receiving. Between the Bengals, rookie kicker Evan McPherson and Packers veteran Mason Crosby, there were five field goals missed between regulation and overtime. McPherson celebrated one of those misses. He thought that he made it. He hit the flag. Oh, yeah, he was going to come on, man, for a reason. But he hit the flag with the football. Nice. Crosby, he came into the, uh, to the game having made 27 consecutive field goals. Sunday, he, he missed three field goals and an extra point. But he finally made the game winner in overtime to lift the Green Bay Packers over Cincinnati, 25-22. to 22. Woo! The New Orleans Saints, they beat the Washington football team, 33-27. And in the process, Jameis Winston only completed 50% of his passes, but he threw four touchdown passes, including a Hail Mary to Marquez Calloway before the half. All right, UT Vols. There were eight one-possession games on Sunday, at least to this point. 
The Philadelphia Eagles caught the Carolina Panthers slipping in the fourth quarter. They came back to win 21-18. Jalen Hurts, he ran for two scores, did it himself. And Lego man looking like Sam Darnold, he threw one touchdown, but three picks. That does not help. So, Houston rookie quarterback Davis Mills had his Texans up on the New England Patriots by 13. Really nice day against the pass defense. 21 of 29, 312 yards, three touchdowns, didn't turn it over. You didn't believe that lead was actually going to hold, though, did you? Neither did I. I didn't either. Patriots, they were without four of their five starting offensive linemen, by the way. They tied it at 22, and then New England kicker Nick Folk, he nails the game winner. How many of those are we going to have this year, though, man? I mean, it's, 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 it's bananas. All these game-winning field goals over the past couple of weeks. Okay, Raiders fans, uh, shouldn't have sent those emails, man. Uh, Raiders fans, that's two in a row for you guys, all right? There's two losses in a row. Chicago Bears, they came to Las Vegas, and they left with a 20-9 win. Justin Fields, he threw his first touchdown pass, and that Bears defense was in shutdown mode. Of course, we know about Gruden in the emails by now. Gruden is no longer the coach of the Vegas Raiders, and we're moving on. I'm not sticking on that, not today. Okay, back to SoFi Stadium, by the way, where the LA Chargers hosted the Cleveland Browns. Both defenses were on a milk carton. Have you seen me? There was none in this game. The fourth quarter was crazy. Six touchdowns were scored. Yes, six in the fourth quarter alone. Both teams ran 68 plays apiece for the game and had more than 1,020 yards between the both of them. The Chargers, they held on to a 47-42 win. And this is after, if you didn't see it, Austin Eckler was trying. He All right, so he made a great play running up the sideline, and he did the baseball slide. Okay, cool. Clock is still going. And then he gets the ball right there in the middle, and he's trying to pick his way to, okay, maybe I should just, do just sit down next time. You know, I mean, it worked out, but just, just fall to the ground. I've seen that before. And... Of course, the Cleveland Browns defense, which they probably should have been doing that anyway, they just pushed him and carried him on, carried him on into the end zone to go ahead and score, offensive lineman style. Uh, anyway, yeah, no defense. The Dallas Cowboys defense, by the way, is real. And the law firm of Prescott, Elliott, and Lamb, they did their thing on offense. Dallas is averaging 34 points per game this season. They are now 4-1. and one. The New York Giants... Saquon Barkley, he'll be out again. A fluke ankle injury. That was ugly. Thought he broke his darn ankle. But he rolled it pretty good. And they said that the X-rays actually came back looking better than they expected. But then there's Daniel Jones. My man ran the football down on the goal line. Had a helmet-to-helmet hit with one of the Dallas defensive backs. He got, out, he got up trying to go to the huddle. He looked like he came out of a bar. It looked, it looked really bad. It looked like Deontay Wilder at the end of that fight against Tyson Fury. Wasn't good. Was not good. He was seriously concussed, slobbing, you know, and if you go back and watch it, slobbing, and yeah, it, it was not good. So they have no timetable. To my knowledge, it's Tuesday. The show drops on Wednesday. I have no not knowledge of his timetable. Dallas 44, Giants 20. They're in trouble. And also, back to Saquon Barkley. When I saw him hop off the field like that, I couldn't help but think about the last couple of shows that I did when we talked about 
those great players who never got to their potential or they were great and then they had to leave the game early because of injuries my dude Saquon you probably need to get out of New York I don't know if it's gonna happen there but oh god it's just it's it's just pitiful I hate I hate watching every he's always hurt now it's something's always happening I'm going to be totally honest about the Arizona Cardinals I don't trust them yet yeah, they got that tough 17-10 win against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. And you have to win those kind of low-scoring games, especially when you come in averaging 34, uh, excuse me, 35 points per game. I must see the Cardinals offense operate just like this late in the season. Okay? And I definitely have to see and have more trust in the Cardinals defense. Yes, J.J. Watt gives me a little bit of hope and making plays like he did. But I need to see that maintained. We will see if they stay healthy towards the end of the season. It's 18 weeks, 17 games. Long time. They remain, though, the NFC's only undefeated team at 5-0. And they did it again this time. Rookie quarterback Trey Lance, who made his first start, NFL start, on Sunday. They were without Jimmy Garoppolo and also tight end George Kittle. Both of them, they were out with calf injuries. 49ers defense, they turned it up a notch. And the offense actually, for the 49ers, outgained Arizona 338 to 304. And as hard as Kyle Shanahan is coaching, and as hard as his players are playing, they have lost their third game in a row. The Cardinals, they have a nice test next week when they play Cleveland in Cleveland. Hopefully, the Cleveland defense shows up this time. And I have to add this. To add insult to literal literal injury, it looks like Trey Lance may be missing some time because of a sprained knee himself. When it rains, it pours. And speaking of rain, folks, Kansas City is in trouble. There's no other way to say it. The Chiefs defense, I haven't checked this week, but you know, last time we looked, and he probably is still in the same spot, if not worse. 31st in defense. There are only 32 teams. Yes, there was a lightning delay because of the storm. There was no Chris Jones on Sunday night, but that team has issues. Patrick Mahomes, he looks frustrated and inaccurate. He's always pointing and making faces after every incompletion. And the defense, the Swiss cheese, man. They can't stop anybody right now. Yes, I love Tyron Matthew, and I know Chris Jones didn't play, and I love Chris Jones, but that defense is her team. The Buffalo Bills, they're the best team in the AFC. Period. Period. Last week, I said I may have more to say about the Bills. I don't. I mean, they beat Kansas City in Kansas City by 18 points. And they did it on both sides of the ball. Not much I can say. Not much. Josh Allen, he has that offense humming. The defense is on point. And by the way, is it just me? Or does Emmanuel Sanders always seem to play with the best quarterbacks in the league? He started with Ben Roethlisberger. Then he goes to Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and now he's with Josh Allen. And don't forget, in 2019, when he got traded midseason, he ended up with the San Francisco 49ers. Where were they in January? In the Super Bowl. Yes, they lost, but they were in the Super Bowl. Monday Night Football, Ravens-Colts. Hmm, where do I start? Being a Steelers fan. But where do I start? This game, wow. Wow, that's all I can say. Um, maybe I should just end it there. I'm not. Would the Ravens break the Steelers' consecutive rushing yards record? No. But Lamar Jackson did throw for 442 yards and four touchdowns. 
He was 37 or 43. The Colts, they blew a 25 to nine lead in the fourth quarter. Carson Wentz, I thought he was going to be dog food, but that Ravens defense keeps proving over and over to me, just being honest, that they're not that great. They're not, you can't keep playing those close games. It's going to get you, it's going to get you. Lamar can't do this every week. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but it's not going to happen every week. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But Carson Wentz, he had 402 yards passing. The Colts ran over, around, and through the Ravens defense using all three of their running backs, especially Jamar Taylor. And since the Colts may fly out their way, this crazy stat that I heard on Monday Night Football last night, since they may fly out their way to Indianapolis back in 1983 and 84, the Colts were 120-0 and when leading in the fourth quarter by 16 points or more. I mean, and other than that, all I would ask is what would have happened had Colts kicker Rodrigo Blankenship made that extra point earlier in the game, let alone having his kick blocked by Calais Campbell that would have sealed the game in the fourth quarter. Oh, when they blocked that kick, I knew then they were losing that game, period. Not a good time to be a kicker in the league this week for some. <laughs> Ravens 31, Colts 35, uh, 25, 25. And that was in overtime. We associate our athletes with the jerseys they wear and the sports they play. Sure, you have multi-sport athletes in middle school and in high school, but what about in college as well as the pros? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here's to the great American settlers, the millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. Start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your old boss, hey, I'm no settler, I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Hustle on over today. Today, sports has become a lot more specialized. What does that mean? Meaning what? An athlete will concentrate on one sport, basically in order to go pro. It doesn't mean that they don't play multiple sports in high school, but basically they pick one. A lot of these guys, they, they play football and they run track. Some that play basketball I think they just play basketball. Some of them play football and basketball. But you find out throughout history and just having been, been a former athlete myself, you play sometimes three and four sports, you know, your whole career over and over again, whether it's middle school and in high school. I've known so many guys that were great in multiple sports. I mean, this is something that you see normal, but then when you go to college, do they continue that? Some do, and some don't. There are few, very few, professional athletes that actually play more than one sport while in college, and on top of that, even fewer who tried their hand at turning pro in more than one sport. Like I said, the big four, football, basketball, baseball, track. 
And here's some examples just in other sports alone. Todd Helton, before he played 17 years with the Colorado Rockies in Major League Baseball, I remember him taking over for Jerry Colquitt at the University of Tennessee when they went out to UCLA and Colquitt blew his knee and Helton took over three games in. I think they played Georgia, Florida, and then Mississippi State. He hurt his knee. And, of course, who took over? Peyton Manning. The rest, as they say, is history. Danny Ainge, he was a high school All-American and the only one, by the way, to be named first-team All-American in baseball, basketball, and football. He was drafted and he played three years with the Toronto Blue Jays. He had a he was like 20 years old when he hit his first home run, as a matter of fact. 14 years playing with the Boston, uh, Boston Celtics. Yeah, but this dude was great in a lot of other sports as well. Bob Gibson, I had no idea that that Hall of Fame pitcher played for the Harlem Globetrotters. No idea. But keeping it at football, let's turn back the clock, shall we? Before Jim Thorpe was a pro football Hall of Famer, he was considered to be the greatest athlete in the world during his time. Thorpe, he was a Native American. He attended Carlisle Indian Industrial School in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. His school competed in NCAA events and he led them to -to back-to-back national championships in football. In the 1912 Olympic Games in Stockholm, Sweden, he won gold in the pentathlon and decathlon. Pretty good. He also won the intercollegiate ballroom dancing championship just to add that on. Sad thing is, is that the next year, this is in 1912, in 1913, Thorpe's gold medals were stripped from him. According to a Bleacher Report report, uh, Bleacher Report story by Andrew Silversheen, quote, in what turned out to be one of the great sports injustices in history, the International Olympic Committee stripped Jim Thorpe of his gold medals, citing that his participation in semi-pro baseball disqualified his amateur status. Thanks to the immeasurable hard work by Bob and his wife, Dr. Florence Ridland, his medals were finally restored to Thorpe's children in 1983. He had passed away, I believe, in 1953, proving that the IOC illegally and unjustly rescinded Thorpe's medals, end quote. All of this was because he was getting paid $60 a month to play for two teams in the Eastern Carolina Baseball League, a minor league in 1910 and 1911 yeah pay for play that the rule has been the rule for the longest i'm glad that I, I, if i correct correct me if i'm wrong I'm glad that stuff is pretty much gone away yes he played professional uh football for the Ken bulldogs and yes he was the first apfa the pre the name of the pre-nfl he was the first president of the nfl technically but he played six years in the major leagues for the new york giants the cincinnati reds and the Boston Braves as an outfielder. He was the athlete of the century. He truly was. October 11th, 1992. The Atlanta Falcons played in Miami against the Dolphins at 1 p.m. Later that night, the Atlanta Braves were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates in game five of the NLCS. Hmm. First pitch was at 8.44 p.m. Deion Sanders was the starting cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons and also played in the outfield for the Braves. Of course, it was very convenient being on both 
professional teams in the same town. Primetime was going to attempt to play in both games on the same day. It didn't happen. The Falcons lost to Miami 21-17, and after the game, Sanders got an IV, jumped on a helicopter, and headed to Pittsburgh. Contrary to popular belief, he actually suited up for the Braves, but he didn't get into the game, though. Deion Sanders was rare, one of the few professional athletes to play for two professional teams. If you don't know anything about Deion Sanders, youngins, there's a whole lot that I can tell you outside of the fact that he was, there's not a whole lot, actually, that I can, that I can tell you outside of the fact that he was the cornerback you did not throw to his side, period. And if you did, you paid dearly. The Pro Football Hall of Famer added he basically was a true shutdown corner. First one that I can think of. I mean, I'm not that old, but the first true shutdown corner. I know that there was somebody before him, but he was actually one of the fastest players in NFL history. Just check out his 4.140 his time. Not only was he the greatest defensive back of all time, but he was also one of the greatest returners of all time. Not to mention, he doubled up as a wide receiver as well. Now, if you kept up with some of the shows, when Michael Irvin went down, injured in 1999, Deion Sanders eventually had to step into the role as a wide receiver, playing both ways. I mean, he did it in spots before that, but he really had to do it, you know, later on in his career. At Florida State, though, he competed in three sports, football, baseball, and he ran track. He was drafted in the sixth round of the, M uh, the MLB draft right out of high school by the Kansas City Royals. He chose Florida State, of course, instead. The Falcons, Braves, in one day thing has happened before. Once at Florida State, Sanders played his first game of a doubleheader, right? He ran a leg of the four-by-one relay. Then he went back to play the second game of the doubleheader. That's bananas. Prime, he carved out a Hall of Fame career in his 14 years in the NFL, and he won two Super Bowls in the process as well. But he also played nine seasons in the majors. In 641 games, Sanders hit 263. He stole 186 bases and add to that the 189 games that he played in the NFL. That's a lot of work. A lot of work. The 1992 Atlanta Braves was his best season with them. He batted 304 and led the National League in triples and also had 26 stolen bases that year. And even though the Braves, you know, going back to that NC, uh, NLCS in 92, even though the Braves won that against the Pirates four games to three, they would eventually lose to the Toronto Blue Jays in six in the World Series. Dion, had they won, would have been the MVP. I believe that. He was 8 of 15 at the plate, had two uh, doubles, an RBI, and five stolen bases in four games. He did all of that on a broken foot. Yeah, let's move on. Last week, we wrapped up our series on NFL athletes whose careers were cut short. What if, right? One of those athletes was Vincent Edward Jackson, a.k.a. Bo. Yeah, Bo Jackson was drafted out of high school as well by, guess who, the New York Yankees. And, of course, he went to Auburn University. He ran track during his freshman and sophomore seasons but focused on football and baseball. After winning the Heisman Trophy at Auburn running for over what 1,789 yards something like that Bo was drafted number one overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 86 what did he do 
He played baseball for the Kansas City Royals instead. Why? So, Bo, from what I read, Bo visits the facilities at Tampa and was told that it was approved by the NCAA because he was still in college. It was not. And Jackson ends up missing a majority of his senior season in baseball. And by him playing for the Royals, you fast forward there, the Buccaneers lost the rights to him. So I'm not playing for you guys. And he, uh, I also read where he believes that they did that on purpose so that he would concentrate on playing football instead of baseball. They wanted him in that backfield. I get it, but if they did that, shame on you. So the Buccaneers lost the rights to him. And in 1987, though, Al Davis and the Raiders, they drafted him because he was, he was open for business. They drafted him in the seventh round. And meanwhile, back in Kansas City, Jackson was called up in September of 1986. He made the roster in 87 and hit 2,200 home runs that season. Freak of an athlete. And I'm sure older fans, and I remember seeing this too, him literally run on a wall sideways after making a catch in the outfield. And in his fifth career game with the Raiders, he ran for 221 yards on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, that game. In 1989, he was named to the AL All-Star team, and he was the game MVP. In his first at-bat in that game, he had a four, he hit a 448-foot home run. Who was it, Rick Ruschel that he hit it off of for the San Francisco um, Giants? That season, though, he would finish with 32 home runs and 105 RBI. Jackson also shares the record with multiple players by hitting four consecutive home runs and four consecutive at-bats. This dude was a monster in baseball. Point blank, period. But you know what? I'm going to say this. I kind of feel like he probably should have just played baseball. I know he was great in football. I, I, and I guess hindsight being 2020, because what? In 1990, he did make the Pro Bowl with the Raiders. Then came 1991 in the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. That career-ending hip injury. A vascular uh, necrosis, loss of cartilage around your hip, no more football for him. The Royals, they ended up releasing him, and he would play here and there with the Chicago White Sox and the California Angels before he finally retired in 1995. I just can't help but continue to think what might have been. The guy ran one of the fastest pro day 40 times of all time, although it was hand-timed by NFL scout, 4.12. That's what they reported. Not sure if you ever seen a running back with 4-1 speed that could run over you as well. But one of the great stories, though, that Deion Sanders tells from his college days playing against Jackson when he was at Auburn. And this is during his freshman year, during Deion Sanders' freshman year. And he talked about how Bo prayed for him during a stiff arm when Sanders tried to tackle him. That was his Bo Jackson moment. He's going up the sideline and he scored. But right before he scored, Sanders, who was playing corner on the opposite side, hawked him down. But, you know, he got the Heisman right in the forehead and he scores. I'm not done just yet. I got a couple more. Here's to the great American settlers. The millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. Start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your old boss, hey, I'm no settler, I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. 
Hustle on over today. Before we do some rapid fire, I have to say, when I was in middle school, I played football and was also on the wrestling team. And I ran track. And by the time I got to high school, I basically played only football. Why? Because that was my dream job. That's what I wanted to do. And in looking at all of these stories and doing all this reading and the videos that I've watched, and yet you realize that it's almost the same everywhere. You just see these athletes that become professional, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, or hockey. They played multiple sports in high school, and they were really good at all of those sports or most of those sports to boot. And like I said, with me, I just did not do what I should have done. And even if I was concentrating just on football, I wish I had played baseball. I, that's the one regret that I have from my high school career. And yeah, I had my story time with Uncle Mike several shows ago when I talked about the track thing my freshman year. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But that was the last thing. I didn't like track. Okay. It was almost running for no reason. I was a four or five guy. That was about it. I think one time that I run a sub four or five. But other than that, I was a four or five guy. I was fast enough. I but I did not desire to raise people. I did not. I desired to catch a football and I wanted to try my hand at hitting a, ba a baseball. I, I really wanted to play in the outfield, chew gum, you know, and wear a glove. I wanted to try that. And I didn't. I should have, and I didn't. I tell you one thing, playing multiple sports in high school, that actually keeps you going. And you don't get, in, get into trouble. Um, and you also keep up with your studies because you have to stay eligible, at least if you're doing it right or if your coaches are doing it right. Anyway, moving on, rapid fire. And these are, these are a couple of guys that did a lot of multiple sports. Didn't dive, do a deep dive like I did with the Obvious three, Jim Thorpe, Deion Sanders, and Bo Jackson. Everybody knows them. All right, well, these are some that you probably do know and some you probably don't. Okay, a tailback at Northwestern turned Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Otto Graham actually played basketball first, and that was his first game. And he was discovered by the head coach by playing intramural football in college as a freshman. They put him on the football team. Hey, come on, play this. And he was great. He was an All-American, and he was an All-American at Colgate when his Northwestern days were over. He moved on and went to the Navy, and they actually put him at Colgate, and he was an All-American in basketball. And Graham played professional basketball before joining the, pre the Cleveland Browns during the 45-46 season, winning a championship with the Rochester Royals of the NBL, the National Basketball League, you know, before it was the NBA, it was the NBL. All right. Then another famous Cleveland Brown, Jim Brown. He went to Syracuse without a scholarship. Didn't even know that. Even though in high school, he lettered in multiple sports, football, basketball, baseball, and lacrosse. He averaged almost 15 yards per carry in high school, by the way. He also played basketball, his, and this is when he was at Syracuse, his sophomore and junior years. But check this out. And I went to, was it orangehoops.com? And I quote from that website, Brown would not return for his senior season, however, because he was not permitted to be a starter. 
an unwritten rule at Syracuse prohibited the team starting three black athletes in basketball. Wow. And Syracuse had Benny Cohen and Manny Breland. Those are the two African-Americans that were also on the team. Cohen believed that Syracuse would have, they had won the national title in basketball in 1957 if Jim Brown had played with them. And as it was, they lost in the Elite Eight, end quote. That's, that's, wow. I mean, how stupid can you be? How, yes, how ignorant can you be? Anyway, uh, and other than that, I mean, him being a basketball player like that, I think he averaged like 13, 14 points per game playing basketball. He was also considered to be the greatest lacrosse player of all time. I've heard for years him talk about him playing lacrosse. Didn't know about the basketball stuff, though. Had no idea. And it's also said that he participated with the track team here and there. He participated, uh, I think, in one year. The year he was drafted in 57, he actually had his track suit on and he participated in the javelin throw, the high jump, and discus, discus throw. And he was a decathlete as well. Then you have guys say like, and going back to, let me go backwards for a second. Go back to my paperwork with Otto Graham. When he played basketball, he actually played alongside two notable men. Red Holtzman, who turned out to be the Hall of Fame head coach of the New York Knicks. And for you old heads, y'all know Chuck Connors, who was an MLB first baseman, but he was also probably more known being on the TV show, The Rifleman. <laughs> I've still not watched that show yet. Uh, then there's John Brody. John Brody was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Threw for over 30,000 yards and I think 213 touchdowns in his NFL career. One NFL MVP in 1970. This guy in the offseason was an avid golfer, and he actually played the PGA in the offseason. And after he retired, he played the, the PGA Champions Tour from 85 to 98. Had, what, uh, I think it was 12 top 10 finishes in his career. And even beat Chichi Rodriguez in the playoff in 1991. I forget what the tournament was, but he was a, he was a pretty good golfer. That's pretty good. Bob Hayes, Pro Football Hall of Famer, two-sport star at Florida A&M, football and track. We know him as Bullet Hayes, Bob Bullet Hayes. He won gold at the 64 Olympics in the 100-meter and the 4x1-meter events in Tokyo. And at the time, Bob Hayes had set world records in both events and was considered to be the fastest, one of the fastest athletes in the world before he became a Cowboys wide receiver. Yeah. And another fast wide receiver from the University of Tennessee, Willie Galt. He played wide receiver and kick returner for the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Raiders. Got their Super Bowl ring in 85 with the Bears. Played 11 years in the NFL. He was an All-American in football and in track in college. And according to UTSports.com, Galt was also a prolific hurdler and sprinter for Tennessee. And he finished his career with the balls holding 12 school records in football and three in track and field. Blazing speed, blazing speed. Now, I don't know why, but I thought this guy played longer than that. It just felt like it. It was only three years in the NFL. Brian Jordan, how many of you guys remember him? Falcons fans would. Jordan was more of a baseball player than he was a football player. He played 15 years in the major leagues for, I think it was for four teams, 
had two stints with the Atlanta Braves. He also played mostly with the with the Braves and the Cardinals. And he was drafted in the first round in 1988 by the San, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, 30th overall, if I remember correctly. The next year, he was drafted in the seventh round by the Buffalo Bills in 89. Well, he played football at the University of Richmond, and he was invited to the Senior Bowl. Dan Reeves, who was the then head coach of the Denver Broncos, was the coach for that squad. And he noticed Jordan. They liked him. The Bills draft him. He gets hurt, and he actually kind of recovers a lot faster than they expect in three months. But Bills coach Marv Levy basically gave him the ultimatum. And they said, look, we need you to go on IR. IR is not like what it is now, where you miss four weeks. IR, you're gone for the season. Back then, they just put that new rule in. So he was going to be gone for an entire year, and he was not having it. So he said no. Well, the Falcons swooped in and picked him up off of waivers. He wasn't activated till four games left to go in the season, and he played and was a part of a pretty good defense, playing alongside, uh, alongside none other than Deion Sanders. And then, you know, that playoff run they had in 91 and 92. But ultimately, he chose baseball over football. And it was had everything to do with the contract that he signed. I think it was in 1993, where he basically had to give up his football career, concentrate on, on baseball. He, Like I said, he was more of a baseball player than a football player. But he was a killer safety. He really was. Uh, John Elway and John Lynch. I put these two together. They both went to Stanford. They were separated by, what, 11, 12 seasons? Of course, John Elway, you know about him being the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Of course, if you're really familiar with John Elway, you know he was drafted by the New York Yankees the same time he ended up going, he was going into the draft in 83 for, you know, to, to, uh, to end up being drafted by the team he didn't want to go to, the Indianapolis Colts. Bob Ursay, and he wanted no part of the owner. He wanted no part of Frank Cush as the coach. So he said, if you draft me, I'm going to play for the Yankees. George Steinbrenner had a, had him on the roster, and he was there for spring training and all that. He was going to play for the Yankees. But he ends up getting drafted. Yes, the next day, I believe it was, he ends up, his rights get, tra- he gets traded to the Denver Broncos. They swapped with uh, him for Chris Hinton and some draft picks and the rest is history but he was a great baseball player in college outfielder he was an outfielder and John Lynch also played baseball in college both of these men are in the Hall of Fame you know Lynch is the hard hitting safety just like I was talking about with Brian Jordan but for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and also for the Denver Broncos these two guys, they, they chose their past. They chose football over baseball, ultimately. Then there's Charlie Ward. When I first really got into college football, it was, yes, UT is my team because that was the first team that I really watched. And I loved the checkerboards and the colors, and I loved Corey Fleming and everything else that went with it. But you know what? I'm surprised to this day. I think I've said this before that I'm not a Florida State football fan because I was more impressed with Florida State when I started really watching football, not just sitting in there watching it happen, but actually watching and understanding what was going on. I loved watching Florida State and Charlie Ward. I loved that dude. Back in 93, you know, 
you know you know the story he was a Heisman Trophy winner he should have been a first round pick he should have been he wasn't selected why and of course he chose basketball over football he played basketball in college played with Bob Sur a couple other guys that ended, and, and Sam Cassell that ended up in the NBA but so did uh, I think it was 11 years 11 12 years he played in the NBA for the New York Knicks mostly he wasn't an all-star type guy but that's what apparently that's what he loved more than football I think he was better in football but being a black quarterback didn't always get you drafted <laughs> it does not it does not and speaking of quarterbacks then there's Tim Tebow okay understand the New York Mets thing and the and the minor league thing he wasn't a great baseball player but he could do it and I know he was a multi-star uh, multi-sports star in Florida before choosing the University of Florida and playing quarterback and winning the national championships and or national championship and playing for Urban Meyer and you know winning the Heisman okay I mean we'll, we'll take that then there's guys like and, and most of these guys are tight ends Tony Gonzalez Antonio Gates Jimmy Graham Julius Thomas all of these guys uh tight ends uh, uh, Gonzalez played for Cal Antonio Gates Kent State Jimmy Graham Miami Julius Thomas Portland State Julius Peppers played for North Carolina they all played college basketball and so did uh, tight end Colts tight end Mo Alley Cox playing for VCU he was pretty good in, uh, in on the hardwood Russell Wilson he was drafted out of, uh, out of high school Baltimore Orioles fourth round by the Colorado Rockies in 2011 he had those spring training sessions with the Texas Rangers in 2013 and I think he ended up getting traded to the New York Yankees of course he couldn't take it seriously because he was a franchise quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks so he could play Kyler Murray he had a decision to make we knew he was playing football at least that that's he was leaning more towards football I still remember Dan Patrick asking him was it at the Super Bowl and he's looking at his dad you know like he can I give him an answer? And uh, the, the answer, no answer. Yes, he he got drafted by the A's and looked like he was going to be with the A's. Nah, that wouldn't happen. He was going to be the first pick in the draft, and he was. And now he's leading the uh, pretty much the number one offense in the league with the Arizona Cardinals. Then there's guys like Kirk Gibson. Throughout the years, they chose baseball over football. They were pretty good in football. Kirk Gibson was at Michigan State. Frank Thomas at what was he at uh, Auburn Darren Erstad and the aforementioned Todd Helton they all chose baseball over football and I mean they made their choices a lot of these guys are Hall of Famers some of them they were all pros or Pro Bowl level or, or you know all stars they, they were great in what they chose to do and then I'm going to give you a bonus I couldn't leave this out we know he was more baseball than football he was all baseball for the most part, Jackie Robinson. So we all know Jackie Robinson to have been the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. Technically not true if you go back to the 1880s. But he, he in high school, he played football, baseball, basketball, track, and tennis. His college career, though he was legendary, it, 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 was, it was very legendary at UCLA. He was the first to letter in football, basketball, baseball, and track. He lettered in four sports in college. Can someone, I mean, if that person exists today, I would love to hear it. I mean, 
to do that. And he wasn't even the best at baseball. We know him as a baseball player. You know, he played, I think he only played one year of baseball at UCLA. And do you know what he hit? 097. 0-97 in his only season. And he's in Cooperstown. That tells you what kind he's in Cooperstown, and that tells you what kind of player he actually was. And he also, just because he played, he did play some football, some professional football, semi-pro football. He played for in the Pacific Coast Football League in 1941. And this was a couple years before Branch Ricky said, hey, come to the Dodgers. I mean, it's great. It's, it's great. So, yeah, we're going to wrap this thing. References, let's get them out of the way. No, not get them out of the way. Thanks to Bleacher Report. Article by Matt Martinez, dated in 2011, the best multi-sport athletes of all time. You're going to hear a couple of those like that. Men's Journal, the 15 most supremely talented multi-sport athletes of all time by Matthew, excuse me, Matthew Jussum, BaseballAlmanac.com, BaseballReference.com, NCAA.com, ProBasketballEncyclopedia.com, Britannica.com, Orange Hoops dot org uh i'll just spell this one it's saber but sabr.org jim thorpe this article was written by dan jensen very good article by the way talks about his life mlb.com the day dion tried to play two by michael claire in the book america's game the nfl at 100 the co-authors jerry rice and randy o williams this has been the behind the mic podcast presented by belly of sports the Billy O Sports Podcast Network, BillyOSports.com. Check us out on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You better listen to this show or I'll find your house. Look out your door right now. Out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.